Hi, friends. Can everyone hear me, I hope? Seeing lots of head nods, thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining today. It's uh, February the 23rd, Tuesday, the 23rd. Uh, this is Appamata Inquiry for today. And uh, as usual, uh, and, and thank you for showing up, even though you know Clinton was going to be, was not going to be with us today. Uh, he um, uh, is taking it easy because he got a second dose of, uh, of his uh, um, COVID-19 vaccination yesterday, and he was expecting that he would feel pretty bad. Uh, and in, I had a shot a couple weeks ago, and I had the same reaction as well. So I'm glad that he could uh, have this time and also that I get to do this today. And thank you so much. So let's sit together for 15 minutes, and then I'll have some things to share, and then we'll open inquiry. Thank you.
Welcome again. What a what a delight to see so many uh, people connected and so many folks whom I have not seen in so long. Uh, it's really great. I want to share a couple of texts with you um, and ask you to reflect on them later, and then we'll move uh, to to inquiry uh, and. Uh, I'll just mention it now when it, when we do, uh, when it's time for inquiry, just as you would uh, raise your hands using the uh, reactions function that's on the, on your screen. Uh, there's a hand raise icon. And then Jessica will call on people in order uh, for, for uh, a chance to talk. So my first um, thing I wanna share today is a poem. I shared this last Friday, and I was saying that uh, last Friday when I was leading at Apamata, uh, this poem made a lot more sense to me than it ever had in my life. Uh, I've read it many times before. I've never been exactly a fan of the poet Wallace Stevens, but it's by Wallace Stevens. Um, it's a poem that was written in 1912 and first published in 1921, and it's called The Snowman. And uh, I'm going to read it through once, and then we'll share it on the screen, and I'll ask you to read it out loud yourself uh, as we go along. The Snowman. One must have a mind of winter to regard the frost and the boughs of the pine trees crusted with snow, and have been cold a long time to behold the junipers shagged with ice, the spruces rough in the distant glitter of the January sun, and not to think of any misery in the sound of the wind, in the sound of a few leaves, which is the sound of the land full of the same wind that is blowing in the same bare place for the listener who listens in the snow and nothing himself beholds nothing that is not there and the nothing that is. So, uh, Jessica, can you screen share the poem? So again, The Snowman by Wallace Stevens. One must have a mind of winter to regard the frost and the boughs of the pine trees crusted with snow and have been cold a long time to behold the junipers shagged with ice the spruces rough in the distant glitter of the January sun, and not to think of any misery 
in the sound of the wind, in the sound of a few leaves, which is the sound of the land full of the same wind that is blowing in the same bare place for the listener who listens in the snow and nothing himself beholds nothing that is not there and the nothing that is. So um, I think you can close that off um, at this time. Uh, so nothing that is not there and the nothing that is, the wind is blowing through it. The wind that the listener hears, the, the listener who is standing in the same bare place as the leaves, the few leaves that are left, the leaves that um, are connected with the types of trees that he has enumerated before, which cannot even be held, cannot even be regarded or seen, except with a mind of winter, working back through, backwards through the poem. And the mind of winter, looking at all these things and hearing these things, enables one to see them without thinking of misery. Every, the normal human reaction on seeing them would be to connect with a sense of misery about the, the painfulness of the cold and the endurance that everything around one as the observer is, is observing, is feeling, is hearing. So very strange and beautiful poem. I, I, and it's all one sentence, which is astonishing to me. So I have another um, text that I want to offer as a kind of contrast to that. And I'm going to stop leaning on my desk so I don't shake the camera. Um, and uh, Jessica, if you could put this on the screen. And uh, it is called Bodhisattva's Vow by the Japanese master, Toei Zenji. It begins, when I, a student of the way, look at the real form of the universe, all is the never failing manifestation of the mysterious truth of the awakened life. In any event, in any moment, and in any place, none can be other than the marvelous revelation of its glorious light. This realization made our ancestors and teachers extend tender care with respectful hearts, even to such beings as birds and beasts. This realization teaches us that our daily food, drink, clothes, and protections of life are the warm flesh and blood, the merciful incarnation of the awakened one. Who can be ungrateful or not respectful, even to senseless things, not to speak of humans? Even though they may be fools, be warm and compassionate toward them. If by any chance they should turn against us, become sworn enemies and persecute us, we should sincerely bow down with humble language and the reverent understanding that they are the merciful messengers of the awakened one who use devices to emancipate us from blind tendencies produced and accumulated upon ourselves by our own egoistic delusion and attachment through countless cycles of space and time. Then on each moment's flash of our thought, there will grow a lotus flower and on each lotus flower will be revealed perfection. 
unceasingly manifest as our life, just as it, as it is right here and right now. May we extend this mind to all beings so that we and the world together may attain maturity in the wisdom of the awakened life. So if you would close that, Jessica, thank you. So I, I am just, I wanted to pair those two because I think that what the Buddha taught um, and that has carried through as a, as a uh, connection through thousands of years and through so many cultures is that we have to hold uh, not as ideas in our minds, but to be able to hold two different kind of stances, two ways of approaching things, is what the Buddha taught. Uh, we have to see the emptiness, the transitoriness of everything as it interacts with everything else, so that we, like the speaker in the poem, are nothing. And what we see is the nothing that is there and the nothing that is not there when we're looking out at a winter landscape. And at the same time, we have to have this intimate connection with everything around it. We have to realize the benefits, the, um, the universal love that is animating all of life and all of the physical world as we encounter it, that makes our minds and our thoughts and our reactions possible. And even to the extent that if someone is our enemy, we should recognize that they're helping us see reality more clearly uh, rather than just cling to the way that things, we want things to be. Uh, and again, that I'll just say, the, this is the astonishing thing that I, I, I seem to have to learn every day over and over and over during each day, during each wake, waking moment, is that both of those stances are required and that the key is, um, as is said in, in many different Buddhist texts, um, is letting go of your preferences, not only focusing on what you want, but having enough um, uh, ability in your mind to open up to how things are and let them be what they are rather than just measuring them against what you prefer uh, and um, avoiding those things that you want to avoid and embracing those things that you want to continue and that this is, this is the breakthrough against ignorance. This is the end of ignorance that the Buddha pointed to in the 12 fold uh, chain of independent or codependent, co-arising, dependent co-arising, I always say it wrong, that um, holding both of these thoughts, the, the emptiness, the nothingness, the non-self, and the necessity for real connection, real appreciation, real gratitude to everything in our lives. Uh, certainly this is what Peg and Flint have been teaching since I've been involved with it, with Apamata. And um, I wanted to just point to those things today because they're, they seem very important to me. So I'll stop at that point and say,
We have time for inquiry now. Again, if you would like to ask a question or make an observation, um, please, please use the reactions function uh, to raise your hand. And uh, Jessica will call. Wit, I see your hand raised. Hello. Hi, Wit. It's wonderful to see you. Good afternoon. Likewise, Joel. Thanks for having us here. And I'm very compelled by the the reading, and it's related to uh, something that I've been pondering. Is um, is really about, I would say motivation and uh, perhaps the the energy, I would say, in the paramitas, um, just having energy and in, in my in my life, I used to get a lot of uh, energy from being very motivated about money. And uh, I think, uh, as a lot of us know, in this practice, that seems to have uh, faded a lot in importance in my life, but it still has practical um, implications. And so I think as I've turned from being less motivated by money, I think that there's, there's this sort of vulnerability and openness that I turn into where I'm a little bit less, less organized, less focused on, on an outcome and I think it, it sort of leaves me with this kind of feeling of um, unknowing, like, and I find it related to this, to this reading when it's like looking at nothingness and, and uh, sort of feeling like there's a lack of, um, Sometimes I feel like there's a, a lack of direction that comes about when that former element that used to motivate me so much is, is no longer really as powerful. So I guess my inquiry is, you know, to what practices might I kind of turn to sort of develop a, a more, um, you know, more energy and, and dispel maybe any uh, torpor or, or lacks, a, a lax sort of affect, if you will, sometimes. Am I making, am I making some sense or? Could I ask a couple of questions? Please. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, you know, I, I have been in a similar situation at various points in my life. Uh, for 10 years, I was the editor of a magazine, and it only came out every other month, but still, a lot of my identity was literally tied up in uh, the, having my name appear in print, uh, and knowing that there was an audience that was going to read it, and, and knowing that people would evaluate what that, the, the, the quality of that writing, and 
And that was a very important thing, you know? And I'm sure all of us have relationships and so on that are that, that are at least analogous to that, that they are, that they form a basis for our sense of self. Uh, and when, so when I stopped being a magazine editor and moved into a different type of work, I felt a real loss from that and, and a real kind of um, disorientation from it, just because I'd had a schedule, I'd had a, I'd had a, a work product that I could be focused on and all of that. So I, I'm sensing that there's something of that in, in what you're describing. And um, I'm also sensing a kind of implicit self-criticism in it, in what, in what you were asking about. How can I come up with a way to be more directed, to have more energy for my practice? Um, is it, does that seem fair that there, that there could be a, an element like that? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, and my, my reaction when you first were asking about, you know, what, what can I do to have more energy for my practice? And, and that's the way I'm, I'm phrasing it. And I'm, I know I'm leaving out important parts of what you said, and I apologize for that. But um, I'm just wondering if it's possible for you to turn to those parts of yourself that miss that old self-identification, self you know? And to offer, to use the time that you would spend in sitting to invite them to join you and to fully feel what they think is missing. And, may, and to offer them, if they can, the opportunity to share whatever feels blocked, you know, whatever feels like it's because you've lost something, that, that something is blocked. And ask if there's a way, you know, they can join you in making a bigger container for your whole life as it is right now and see where that leads. So instead of, you know, moving toward a goal, um, just seeing what happens when you can open, you know? Does that make sense at all? Definitely, yeah. It's, uh, the, I, I know that's a lot easier said than done, um, but I, I'm it, for a practice, that seems like that could work. And I, I'm, I'm making a note to myself, let in those parts that are still mourning you not being a magazine editor and, and having that identity, you know? And see what comes up for them. See what comes up for you, for this whole constellation of, of people in here. Thank you. Does that, does that address your question? Do you feel, A, do you feel heard? And B, is there more? Well, I think I feel heard, yes. And I think that the, the more piece or the dimension that I'm noticing is that when you started to say that, there was sort of a, uh, a, a little bit of a, of a fearful 
sort of a, a, a piece that came in there, but also like the necess necessariness of of courage and also sort of a heart opening aspect to that suggestion, just like inviting those parts that mourn that that motivation that was missing to 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 be there and see what opens. That just seems like there's a a real heart opening aspect there. Thank you. Rosemary, I see your hand next. Still muted. Okay. Hi, Joel. Hi, Rosemary. Um, nice of you to hi. join us. Thank you. Um, and thank you for the, the two poems. Um, the Bodhisattva's Vow, the section that really spoke to me was um, um, who can be ungrateful or not respectful even to this even to senseless things not uh, even though they may be fools be warm and compassionate toward them if by any chance they should turn against us we should bow and they um, they are the merciful messengers um, of the awakened one and I had an experience with neighbors recently um, who kind of who definitely turned away from me through a, a Zoom chat that we were having with a few other neighbors. And um, we've been having it. These are these are friends for a few years. And they wrote to all of us after this one Zoom session, we will not be, you know, returning to the Zoom chat. So I I called them and I they didn't pick up and I, you know, said, let's talk about this, you know, if there was anything offensive, you know, um, let's, let's just talk about it. Never heard back. And um, so basically, I don't know what the problem was, but since then, I have really thought very thoroughly about this chat and my participation in it. And there were several things that came to my attention about myself, none of which, you know, I can tell would be something that would have offended them. But, um, you know, that I ju it just shown, it shown a light on myself. And um, I felt that in this way, they were messengers, even though I don't know what, what in particular, you know, was upsetting them. It could have even been something from one of the other participants. Um, but it allowed me to uh, really take a look at myself. Um, I saw one of them for the first time since this, this is about a month ago, uh, this morning. And, you know, I just said, hi, how are you? And he said, fine. And, you know, there will be, you know, until they're ready, if ever, to talk to me, I won't know. But, um, you know, I felt it was, it hurts, but it's kind of at the same time, it's kind of a gift. I really felt this this section was speaking to me in that situation. So 
I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks. And I, so in, I, I remember reading um, conversations with Joko Beck in which students of her, hers would describe things that had hurt them or made them angry. It was a lot of, in Ezra Beda's books, there's a lot about his anger that he brought. And Joko's response was generally to ask, um, what are you believing that makes that hurtful? What are you believing that makes that something you should be angry about? Right, you know, was it just see, you know, is it possible to open up to a level below that? I mean, you, it sounds like you've done what you can given the exactly. situation exactly. for your neighbors, you've reached out and you've, and it's obvious with obvious sincerity. Um, and, um, I'm just thinking about it in terms of, you know, if I were in the same situation and, and as a opportunity to practice, what would be the opportunity to practice there? And it, I think, I think would... just, I think just waking up, you know, waking up to what I do, you know, um, <clears throat> and, you know, really taking a look at it. And the things that I noticed about that Zoom chat, um, I noticed in other situations with myself as well. And, um, you know, it, it was very instructive to, and, you know, when I saw him today, I thought, wow, I'd really like to know, and I'd like them to, you know, I'd like to talk it over. And then I thought, well, whatever it is, I forgive myself. Mm -hmm. I got to that point, so I felt good about that. Mm -hmm. I, I know that, um, you know, I came from a family where I had, I was for many, most of my growing up time, I was the youngest of uh, four siblings. And then later on, a, a younger sibling came along, who was five years younger than I. But I, I was always on edge about criticism from my older siblings who were, you know, nine, 10, 12 years older than I. And that um, I had to be careful around them. And that, and I still carry that with me, you know, it's part of my conditioning that I bring into daily life, that I'm expecting that people are not going to like how I look, what I say, what I do, and all of that. And, and, you know, most of the time, they don't care. Most of the time, people are not worried about what I'm doing or looking like or saying or anything like that, unless I'm specifically doing something harmful to them. Um, but, uh, you know, I imagine that you have probably some parts that are a kind of armor, you know, a kind of uh, well, in, in this protectors case, against those sorts of situations who are, who are triggered, you know, and, and want you not to be hurt, right? Yeah, and, and in this case, you definitely know that they were upset. <laughs> There's no question. Yeah. There's that, no question that they were upset by something, although you're not certain that it was you. But they were and upset that, by something. That is, that is true too. Um, yeah. So having forgiven yourself for whatever, for whatever, and being open to meet whatever comes in the situation, uh, moving forward in uh, a, a spirit of obviously openness and kindness to your neighbors, 
Is, yeah. Does that close it for you? Or is there is there I, I still a lingering? No, oh. no, no. I think, I mean, there are neighbors on my floor. So it's, you know, there's always that sense. And, um, but, you know, yeah, I think it does close it. And I just love this idea that there are messengers, all sorts of messengers out there about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's thank you. Wonderful oh, lesson. I believe I saw Bridget's hand next. Thank you. Thanks for Joel uh, for filling in. I was inspired by- Bridget, could you speak a little louder? Okay. Can you hear me? I'll get a little closer to the microphone. Good. Uh, I um, appreciate you doing this today. And I <clears throat> I heard the snowman today, but it, in a new way from having heard it last week. And um, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I'm anticipating this afternoon going to spend overnight with my son and his wife and their new baby, which is my first biological grandchild. So I'm feeling that fine line between a sense of exhilaration and also fear that I'll do something wrong. And I wanted some, you know, from the second reading, um, how to, I, I know I, my goal will be to be able to be really stay present but I know I'm going to be up during the night. Um, we're, they're talking about my taking about two hours so that, you know, just bring them the baby and so forth. But, you know, this is also new. And I just want, sorry, my, I didn't realize my phone was ringing in the background. But anyway, I just wanted some, maybe there, you or others who are first, who were, can recall being a first time grandparent can, can provide me some way to do this as a, as a bodhisattva. I want to say my heart goes out to you that you want to do, you want, you want so much to connect and to be loved. And, and there's some fear for you that you might do something that would be somehow hurtful to the other people involved. Am I right about that? Well, that yeah. you're, that you're, that you're, you, you you have to be on guard for yourself or, or uh, uh, against some kind of reaction that you might have or, or that, that it, you know, people might, someone, your son or your daughter-in-law might misinterpret something as contrary to what you're, you're wanting to convey. Is that, is that fair? Right. And I know so. they'll be more at ease if I'm more at ease, because mm -hmm. I just know that from relationships. It's yeah. Well, I was just sharing some about my family, you know, and how I grew up, and the just the. I, I know that I've lost connections with two of my older siblings. Um, and uh, that's painful to me. And I really wish that I could repair those relationships 
but I also know it's not entirely up to me. Um, but being the younger member of the group, I feel a responsibility. It's like, I, I have a strong belief that it's my job to keep things moving, to keep the connection going, to keep myself open to whatever happens just because it's not their job. It's my job, you know? So again, I feel a, kind of a great tenderness toward you in, in what you're expressing. Um, you, I think you have a part that believes it's your job to keep this relationship going and that there are many, many dangers to be faced in even the most loving and joyful kind of situation. And um, am I saying that right? Or am I misinterpreting what you're saying? And just to be able to admit it out loud is <laughs> a relief. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. you've been able to, I feel heard. Okay. So that helps. Well, I, I, I would ask to anybody who's had that same fear to raise their hand, you know, and Bridget, I don't know if you can see other people in the, in the group view, Jessica. but and I'm I seeing Rosemarie and Bet. So I'll let Jessica call on. Yeah. Jessica, can you switch to group view here? Jessica, could you, I'm sorry. Yeah. Jessica, can you do that? Can you turn off the spotlight? And uh, so Bridget, switch to gallery view if you can. Yes, and again, if you would, wave your hand if you know right. what Bridget is talking about. All right, so. I'll call on Jessica first because she has her hand up and several of you do. Well, I, I'm sorry. No, so I, it, uh, I, was <laughs> uh, I was just inviting people to, to show that they, are, that they feel a connection with you around this oh, so rather than... Oh, okay. I thought they had something. rather than comment at this time. So okay. no, I, I hope you're getting it because I don't. All right. I, 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 I didn't see anybody that didn't feel like a connection with that. Okay. Lovely. All right. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, thank you. I'll go sign. Bridget, just take this, take the love that is being expressed to you now with you right. because it is yours. And thank you. And it is the same as the love that you are bringing with you. All right. so I hope I, I, may you have some ease from that. May your heart be open and, and your mind be boundless. <clears throat> uh, I see Bets W has her hand up. Is that right? Okay. Bets? Yes. Hello. Thank you so much. Um, I can relate completely with what uh, Bridget is going through right now because that's where I currently am. My oldest daughter just had a baby. The baby is a month old and I've just arrived on the scene and I had all of those fears. Is he going to like me and accept me, the father of the child? Am I going to be of service? Am I going to be, you know, the know-it-all because I had four kids in five years, you know, are they going to like me? Am I going to melt into this situation? And it has really been quite a journey. 
a few weeks ago, we talked about compassion as being, you know, a boundless freedom. And I found myself sitting in a situation where compassion became a verb. <laughs> and I had to actively work on it because with COVID, you know, coming in as an outsider um, who isn't within their network, you know, kind of sets up some fears. Um, the father of the child has debilitating OCD on top of it. So it added a whole nother layer of, of stuff happening in this relationship that I was, and this joyous, this miracle, you know, that was occurring that I got to be a part of. And where I sit here today, um, taking that compassion, becoming a boundless energy again, and um, this journey that I'm on as a grandmother coming, first time grandmother coming into this situation, and, and what you shared earlier, you know, I identified as a mother, I identified as a PA, I identified as a daughter-in-law, as a daughter, as a wife, you know, those were the things that defined me. And now here I'm trying to have this awakening and this boundless freedom. And yet here's another title that I'm trying to embrace. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I doing this? Why am I becoming the grandmother? You know, why not just um, be a part of what it is that's happening for them without taking on that quote unquote role, um, you know, without allowing other people to say, how does it feel to be a grandma? Is this your first, you know, get, just shedding that and allowing that freedom for them to be themselves, to recognize some of my old behaviors and how they affected my understanding of a situation. It's like, <clears throat> as Flint would say, it's, it's like being given a gift of insight, you know, that I don't have to evaluate or shame myself for, but just another level of awareness of where I was and where I am now. So my three hours with them this morning went entirely differently. It was, you know, love and service, you know, was, and that boundless compassion. Um, I'll be going back this afternoon. Uh, it's, and it's, it's, it's an inquiry for me. You know, it's a journey for me. It's a new perspective on this entire situation for me, which by the way, I spent nine months attaching myself as a grandmother, you know, you know, owning that new title, that new sense of identity. So I almost feel like I arrived this morning. Um, I had the opportunity to get some clarity on it right now, a new understanding, a new awakening or acceptance of it and get to proceed with that journey now um, and approach it all differently you know, with a far more open heart, less pressure, fewer old ideas. It is, it is so wonderful to get rid of old ideas, which are usually based on fear. Um, 
shed some of that and and have a new experience. Thanks. Great to be here. It is yeah. just amazing to me how these inquiries just bring forward exactly what it is that I need to take a look at and have a personal back and forth with, you know, between the head and the heart and hopefully leave it with the heart and open up. Thank you. Thank you, Bats. I, I don't know if everybody can see chat, but Stephanie Seiler, as uh, Bats was talking, um, shared some things that she has recently left uh, Austin and moved to California for six months to live with her younger son, her daughter-in-law and two-year-old grandson. She says, I feel very isolated, basically living in a small bedroom in their home with my 15-year-old dog. And yet I'm finding this to be a deep opportunity to practice, grateful. Uh, as we were, I just say, if you, if, if Jessica, if you could switch to um, the regular view now, and if, if everybody could switch to the gallery view, if you can appreciate the opening that Betts was just describing, both adopting a role and gaining strength from that role, I guess, and then having the ability to move beyond the unconscious expectations to be open in your heart to connect in a way that allows real freedom in the moment and if you you know if you connect if you connect with that and if you connect with the isolation that and the gratitude that that stephanie is talking about in chat if you could wave you know and share with her i'm sure that would be something that she could feel even in this funny two-dimensional world that we're in. Stephanie, hi, thanks for, for seeing that. Well, we are coming close to the end of the time. So let's say our closing chant, which maybe I was supposed to say at the beginning, whether did I miss something at the beginning? Um, I was supposed to say the rogue chant, wasn't I? So let's um, let's say the rogue chant and then the four practice principles together. And we'll say the rogue chant one time and the four practice principles three times. And, that, and then we'll close. Okay. The verse of the robe. Vast is the robe of liberation a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. The four practice principles. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, 
compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you, friends. Suzanne, thank you so much. Suzanne Kilkas, thank you so much. It's wonderful to see you. I'm so happy that you could join us. So at, at 1.30, there's also After Inquiry, which is a separate link on the Appamata uh, uh, website. So- It's actually uh, this same link, Joel. I'm sorry? It's actually this same link. Same link, okay. Yeah, people who are here can just stay. Okay, if you have, if you have um, the opportunity and you wish to, please stay for after, after inquiry. I'm gonna have to step off for a, a moment and make a phone call, but I'm gonna try and connect again. Thank you. Maria, is it okay if I make you host? Yes, please do, yeah. All right. So nice to see everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica.